Well, hello and welcome to radio. I'm your host, Ray Weaver, and I'm sorry I've been away for a while, but I'm traveling again, as usual. Been off doing music in the United States on the East Coast, but right now I'm in Nashville, Tennessee. We did some benefits for the Ukrainian people back in Maryland, and uh, we're always glad to help folks out. So we were glad we did those benefits, raised some money, sending that money off to the Ukrainians, came down to Nashville. And Nashville is where, a city where I lived a goodly portion of my life because I was down here trying to make it as a songwriter. I was down here doing that whole songwriting thing that you know so many people have done it. And I was, um, you know, I was in, the, I, I was here. I was in the middle of it. I can remember down here, late 70s, early 80s, and literally, man, I was starving to death. I had no money. I had no money whatsoever. But I'm sitting at a table with some friends of mine. We uh, put our money together, what we had, and we bought one, you know, kind of bucket of beers and one order of hot wings, which at that time were going for about a quarter apiece. So, you know, we bought enough hot wings that the four of us could eat maybe two and beers, starving, and literally recall it as some of the happiest times of my life, to give you some idea how obsessed you can become by this thing. I mean, you're a songwriter. Uh, you're a songwriter. You know, let me, All of you guys, women, everybody out there that's tried this thing, you're a songwriter, a master craftsman, you know? You've shaped your dreams, your broken hearts, uh, triumphs, failures, everything you've did into heartfelt words, and you you set them to music. You know, I write a lot of family type stuff. My show is called A Father's Heart, so I have all these stories about my grandparents, my kids, my mom, my dad, the old home place, you know, the long and <laughs> winding road. Uh, whiskey nights and nights on whatever you can possibly think of. And of course, a lot of songs about your one true love that got away, which usually really angers the person that you're with at the moment that you're writing a song about the one true love that got away. By the way, the chiming in the background, I'm staying at my friend Chip Davis's house. He's got a grandfather clock that goes off all the time. Chip is... um relatively well-known background vocalist, songwriter, keyboard player here in Nashville. Right now, he actually works for the Heritage Band, the great superstar band, Alabama. He's their onstage keyboard player and a background vocalist for that. Well, back to being a songwriter. You know, you come down here to Nashville, you are a songwriter. You want the whole world, well, at least, you know, maybe Tim McGraw or Red Akins, one of them, <laughs> to, to hear your song and know your song, and sing your song. Because, you know, you know you were ready. You were the hottest guy in town, or the hottest woman in town. You were hot. So, you you know, you come down to Nashville, Tennessee. Like so many people before you, you're thinking, I'm going to Nashville. I am going to Nashville. And I'm going to be a songwriter. And I'm going to make it. You know... I was down here for a while. So before you give your notice, you know, sell your house or your apartment or and load up the rider truck or whatever they have out there these days, you know, 
maybe I should, off the top of my head, give you some advice. I don't know. But maybe just from someone who's actually been here, been there. Look, there are libraries full of books about songwriting. The problem for me has always been with these things. They are written, for the most part, by very nice people who do not have a freaking clue as to what they're talking about. People that, while they have written a song or two, maybe had a hit or two, have never actually lived or, after decades of concentrated therapy, forgotten the realities of being a songwriter in Nashville. These are people that have never, ever scrounged through the pockets of every single pair of jeans they own, every shirt, every old jacket, and just hoping to dig up enough money to buy a single White Castle single burger. People that have never sat at a writer's night. You know what a writer's night is? This is, this is genius that Nashville club owners have set up. This is genius, man. They found a way. I mean, the big clubs like Bluebird, Douglas Corner, of course, they would have songwriter's nights, songwriters in the round. It's basically four men or women songwriters sitting on stools with their acoustic guitars. They sing the songs they've written. A lot of them were hits for other people. So you're in there and there's Rodney Krause singing something that he wrote for Emmylou Harris, Tony Arada singing something he wrote for Garth Brooks, Paul Overstreet with the nine million songs he's written. You know, you've got these great writers in there and they're singing one song after another. They usually do a round of about four songs each and it's stunning. I mean, if you're a young songwriter, this is just stunning stuff. You sit there and go, yeah, I'm going home. <laughs> I'm just going to go back home. There's no reason for me to hang out here. They've got Paul Overstreet. They've got Red Aikens. They've got, what do they need me for? So, um, and now the other clubs, the lesser emporium, shall we call me, they, they saw this idea and they thought, this is great. We can get these people in here to sing their songs, tell them on a writer's night, give them an opportunity to sing their music for free, kind of create the impression that maybe somebody from Sony Music or one of the record companies or whatever will be out here, catch their act, and boom, lightning will strike. They're off to fame and fortune. And guess what? They'll do it for free. They'll come in here and they'll play for free just for the chance to sing their own songs. Now, if you think that this sounds a bit crazy, this is even crazier. They do this like three, four times a night. Each round takes about an hour, maybe a bit longer. They get one group of four songwriters, another group of four songwriters, another group of four songwriters. And there's about, I don't know, three million places doing this. And they're booked up. There's a waiting list of kids, old older people, you know, truck drivers, butchers, bakers, candles, that want to come in and sing their songs for free. It's always packed, and there's a waiting list. So, you know, there you go. I mean, you know, you're doing a writer's night. It's uh, it's hard to kind of describe, but just imagine you're like at one of these writer's nights. It's February. You're waiting to sing your original song to an audience that's, it's 11 o'clock in the night, or so, and it consists now of the bartender who's got a mohawk or something, and a ring, one of those big rings through his ears that stretches his ears to look like something in National Geographic from when I was a kid, and he's 
not listening to you because he's busy hitting on the 40-year-old waitress who is actually a singer, of course. And she is only waitressing until her record deal at Sony DreamWorks, Arista Curb, MCA, is final. She's, she's, she's just waiting. They have, if you'd have never done this, you have never sat through a writer's night and had this experience, sublime experience, of listening to, you get wall-eyed. There's no other word. You just, just get wall-eyed. You're listening to 67 songs in the key of G about that old pick-em-up truck or skinny dipping or Betty Lou or whatever. And then you get a chance to sing maybe one song because it's running late and it's past midnight and you're, you're supposed to get your three or four songs, but hey, it's they're almost out of time and y'all can come back again next week if you want to. Come back on next week. And if you're lucky, the host of the writer's night is still there with his buddies and the host gets free booze. That's the only thing you ever get paid in Nashville. Um, or a drink tab, or drink tickets, but you're not getting money. Free was in, and they're listening while you sing your song. You can hear them snicker in the background. You know, what kind of song is that? There ain't even no truck in that song. What kind of song? I've done these things. I have done all of these things, and so many, many more of these things. I am qualified to tell you the best thing you can do with all of these songs you've written. The truly the best way to handle your life's work. Here goes. First, you've got to make a demo of all your best stuff. The demo is the thing down here. But demo your, your, your best songs. Well, I know how hard that is. They're all good, right? Everyone. Tell you what. Demo them all. That's what I did. Demo every song you've ever written. Just a simple voice and guitar or voice and piano recording will do for where we are in the process right now. Um, later, you know, you might want to put them on a USB drive. Some people still get CDs, um, but not a tape. You, you, you want a CD or USB drive. And now get your lyrics ready. This is very important. Nashville is very particular about how the lyric sheet looks. You might even want to look in one of the books or whatever online and get the idea. You want to get the correct contacts and copyright info on everything. You know, make a nice folder. You might even get a logo. You know, does, I see a lot of folks, they have like these really nice fancy logos drawn up. You want to do that. You know, you've read all, you, it's all in all the books. You know how to do it. Get everything so people can find you, you know, where, you know when they want to give your song to whatever artist is at the top of the charts right now, because this is the song. This is the one. Okay, you're almost ready now. You're almost ready. Hang in there. Now, I want you to start a nice fire in your fireplace. Middle of August, I don't care. Get a good rolling conflagration going there. If you don't have a fireplace, get a 55-gallon drum. Get a nice blaze going out in the yard. The point is you need a fire. You need a fire. Now relax. Pour yourself a glass of good wine, a beer, whatever you drink. Whiskey never hurts, ever. So just... Keep that in mind. Check the fire now. Make sure it's nice and hot. And now carefully and very lovingly take out your CDs, your USBs, your folders, your lyrics. Look them all over. There it is. Your life's work, your very blood, sweat, and tears, your dreams, your aspirations, and throw every damn last piece of it on the fire.
then call your boss, your spouse, your significant other, your partner, and everyone else in your life and beg for forgiveness for every moment that you have wasted on this insanity. What are you, crazy? <laughs> you nuts, man. Come to your senses. Do you really think that any of us ever had a chance? There are, I don't know, I don't even know, but let's say roughly there are 5 million people now living in Nashville. And as of the last census that I can think of, 13 million of those people listed their occupation as songwriter. Every waiter, every waitress, every cop, every banker, stripper, hooker, lawyer, preacher, car parker, dog walker, Walmart greeter, carjacker, butcher, baker, candlestick maker. Hell, every living, breathing man, woman, or child in Nashville is a songwriter. And of those 13 million people, exactly seven of them are making a living. And at least three of them are the same guy. You are completely and totally delusional. Your dad, your spouse, everyone, your friends, they're all right. The, what my friend Chip, whom I mentioned earlier, calls the clue bird of common sense is pounding on your window, begging to get in. Listen, give it up. You're not listening, are you? You don't listen. Just like me, you've got the bug, the itch. You can feel it burning in your very soul, in your bone marrow. You've read the magazines, all the biographies. You know every word to, what's that song about, Nashville? 16th Avenue. You've not only watched that movie about songwriters, Heartworn Highways, and now Tom Douglas's new movie called Love Tom, you've watched it. 62, 63 times. You just watched that Beatles film that just came out about them writing all the songs. That tedious eight-hour film of theirs. Look, I love the Beatles. I will stack my Beatles love up against anybody. That movie was too long. It was just too long. But anyway, you, 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 you watched it 63 times. And you kind of try to get your friends and family to watch it with you. And you probably wonder why no one ever comes to see you anymore. You have a subscription to Music Row. You know the names of the producers, the songwriters. You're not going to quit. I know that. You're going to make it. You're a songwriter. You're a sad, wretched, condemned soul. I'm trying to warn you. But if you insist on ruining what is probably a pretty good life that you have, far be it from me to stand in your way. Let's get on with it. Let's get on with it. Let's talk about being a songwriter. That's where we're in Nashville. Let's do that. But first, here's a little songwriting humor. An aspiring songwriter is pounding on doors along Music Row, and he's surprised to see an old buddy from his hometown. Hey, dude, man, it's great to see you. What are you doing here? His pal kind of looks down his nose a little bit and says, I'm a songwriter. Really? Me too. What restaurant are you working at? <laughs> yeah, it's true. So, 
man, what can I what can I tell you? You know, when you come here, it's a tough town. You got to be in shape for Nashville. It's got to be Tom T. Hall, the great songwriter, one of the greatest that ever lived, called it a hairy leg town. And yeah, it's a tough town. Before you get ready to take Nashville on, there are a few things you need to do to kind of get yourself mentally in shape for it. It's going to be tough and you got to be ready. Let's start with a simple exercise. Let's call it um, a little Nashville yoga, if you want to. First, find a good, solid brick wall. A good one. If you can find one where the concrete nails are still hanging out, that's even better. Now, violently bang your head against that wall. Hard. A lot. Let those nails really dig in there. If you can still understand what I'm saying right now, you're not hitting your head hard enough. You got to go harder. You got to get that blood flowing. You you want to be a songwriter, right? You want to be a songwriter? When my words start to sound like... Then you will understand what it is like to try to get a break as a songwriter in Nashville, Tennessee. Now, the first thing you knew need to do when you get here after you beat your head against the wall at home to get used to what you're going to do you 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 got to find a job that makes i mean the summer may be the best time to come to nashville to get in, get in the business not because there's anything going on in the summer in the music business in nashville in fact it's so stinking hot in nashville in august the music row looks like uh, a ghost town from an old clint eastwood movie complete with mexicans taking siestas on the streets western music taco trucks you know the music business is is basically shut down the upper crust music folks are not gonna risk getting those uh, nice crisp you know khakis of theirs uh sweaty going from they go from their climate-controlled SUVs and their climate-controlled officers, so they'll be in their climate-controlled homes by the lake, I don't know, simping mint juleps. Apparently that's something that, I don't even know what that is, but they do that here. The only thing moving on Music Row in the summer are the aforementioned us, desperate songwriters in sweaty, heat-strokingly fat tourists in cowboy hats, you know, old, old Navy khakis, shorts, flip-flops, and they're all wondering where the hell uh, Johnny Cash is. Johnny's been passed away for years. But anyway, the real reason of coming to Nashville as a budding songwriter to come in the summer is the aforementioned tubby tourists. There's a mass of them. And this influx of breathless music lovers creates a myriad of opportunities in the ever-always-rewarding service industry. In other words, Krispy Kreme is hiring, so is Wendy's, McDonald's, Taco Bell, White Castle, Backyard Burgers, The Colonel, and Barbecue. I wish I would have made up that last one, but I didn't. And you'll also, you'll also check out Walmart, Walgreens, Western Auto, Service, you get the picture, you know. There is, however... Intense competition for these jobs. Remember, you are but one of 4.6 million aspiring songwriters that have arrived in town since Thursday. You know, if you're, they're all looking for work, so if you've got less than a master's degree, you're probably not going to get a gig at the McDonald's drive-thru. I'm just saying. I know lawyers 
I'm not making this up. I know lawyers that have chucked their practices and are now literally working parking cars because they want to try to catch a break as songwriters. Now, if you have some type of secretarial skills, and I know a lot of songwriters <laughs> typing in shorthand in high school or whatever, you can apply at one of the, I think, 17,600 temporary employment agencies in Music City. Even if you have no apparent marketable skills whatsoever, which applies to most of the songwriters, in my circle at least, um, the temp agencies will be happy to see you. After all, I am convinced that Tennessee is apparently an old Native American word that means land of many temporary employment agencies. They love you. The temp folks love you. Even when the music business hates you, the temp folks love you. They will find you a gig in a minute. Really, they will find a job for you, and some of these jobs even provide transportation. You will get to ride to work on a truck surrounded by huge men with tattoos, gold teeth, and wool caps. They have that amazing jailhouse ability to talk without ever actually moving their lips, and they can communicate quite clearly that I really like what y'all got in that there lunchbox, if you get my drift. The starting wage will suck. It'll be terrible. It'll be awful. And there will be no benefits at first. Well, except for that free ride and sharing all that good fellowship with your comrades and your food. You share your food with them, too. Um, but if you hang on for just 60 days, the company will take you on at full salary and all benefits. 60 days, two short months, one-sixth of a year. I've had jobs in Nashville that ranged from building guitars to spraying outfitted dumpsters with a garden hose, and not a single one of them has ever lasted more than 59 days. I was always fired, downsized, let go, laid off, made redundant, whatever euphemism you like. Just before that magic day of 60 showed up. Why the hell should they take me on at full bennies and, and full pay when another would-be Chris Christopherson is willing to take my job for seven bucks an hour? I think Tennessee got the nickname the Volunteer State because nobody gets any real money for doing anything down here. Now, I know some of you are thinking, hey, man, I am the hottest guitar player, bass player, steel player, banjo picker in my whole town. I am going to get a job picking in Nashville. I'm going to be a picker down there. I will be gigging inside of a week once I hit lower Broadway. I wish I will save you the the sound of me rolling on the floor laughing my ass off, but you'll be gigging. All right, Bubba, you might get a gig. I'm not saying you won't, but that is if you like playing for tips. On a Monday morning at 10 a.m., and since Tootsies and Roberts and all of the better lower Broadway honky-tonks are all booked up, you'll be applying your trade again in what we might call a lesser music emporium. In a real honky-tonk, as they like to sell it, that bears a strong resemblance to, I don't know, 
a prison toilet from around 1973, somewhere in the Deep South, only it won't be as charming or anywhere near as clean. Your audience will likely consist of at that 10 a.m. on that morning of uh, two homeless folks getting in out of the weather, a lost German tourist who is still looking for Webb Pierce's swimming pool, and a bunch of egg-sucking weasels drinking water at the bar and trying to convince the weeded-up, stoned-out bartender that they are 50 times better than you. And if you if they had this gig, this freaking place would be packed, man. You know, the same thing that you did to the loser that had the gig before you. Here's a clue. These people that come in, none of them tip. You are working for tips, and you have five other probably desperate pickers along with you because you have to cover the stuff that's on the radio, and they want to sound, the, the tourists want it to sound like a full band, and so you got five people picking with you, and you get to the end of the four, five, six-hour shift, you've got $177 in the bucket there, a couple of German cigarettes that are sweaty, and a used ticket stub to the Hall of Fame in the jar, and that's a good day. And don't even bother thinking that if you hold on that you'll get a better spot in the evening or on the weekends or something like that. Those people haven't changed since about 1975. These spots are like NFL season tickets. They are passed on from family member to family member to family member uh, when someone dies. That's how it works. You see a lot of people, in, now this is weird. You see a lot of people in Nashville standing in full cowboy regalia on street corners, singing with their guitars to backing music. They just know that somebody's going to drive by in their limo and say, man, let, listen, let's give that kid a deal. Have some pride. Man, don't do this. Do not do this. The people in the industry are laughing at you. Besides, I checked. All of the good corners are taken. And of course, the most famous way to get heard in Nashville is the writer's night. And I told you about those, you know. It's it's famous, you know. You, you you're you, you're a songwriter. You're gonna do the writers' nights, and <laughs> you're gonna be playing at writers' nights, and um, it's a place where you wind up playing for other writers. It's really a stroke of genius, you know. You get up, you sing your songs. Desperate songwriters, uh, desperate, you know for waiting or scrubbing Lexus or looking for any kind of artistic outlet. They literally line up around the block. That's uh, And that's the Nashville Writers' Night. But all of that being said, like I told you at the beginning of this segment, I came here when I was a kid, and I kept coming back, and I kept coming back and doing the Writers' Nights, and I've done a ton of them, done a ton of showcases, done a ton of uh, picking for free and for tips and for whatever reason I could because it's a bug. It's a desire. It's something that you cannot get out of your soul. And I'm certainly not going to tell you not to do it. Because I'm down here in Nashville, Tennessee, and as much as I'd like to say, I'm over this, I'm over this. I did a couple of really good shows of my own acoustic music on this tour, and I drove down here and flew down here and got the rental car, came by and went by that iconic skyline, and there it was. There was Nashville. And it started going right down into my soul again. And we'll talk a little bit more about that after we take a little break because the powers that be told me I need to 
give you a little breathing room. So we'll be back in a sec. 